But I want to talk more about, you know, this, the buying power of this group and why I wanted to, you know, and I obviously I have my own positions on this and my own mission to, to really make uh, everybody understand this. But also, if you're a business owner and you have not addressed your own bias towards these groups, you may be not able to connect with them. And then therefore, I'm gonna state it again, $1.9 trillion in consumer marketing buying power. So it's not just the right thing to do, it's necessary and business imperative. And I will say this, for 20 some odd years, companies have been trying to understand how to connect with all the groups, all the groups. If you're a CEO, entrepreneur, or business owner that can't seem to figure out what is blocking you from attaining the next level of growth in your business, then listen up. I'm Maria DeLorenzis Reyes. I've taken what I've learned in 30 years working inside multi-million dollar corporations, building my own business, and consulting my clients, and discovered five themes that stop a business from scaling. I've created a tool to help you get the answers you need to get unstuck and unlock the next level of growth. Head over to scale.mariadr.com and click the link to get your custom Scale Factor Formula scorecard when this episode is over. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Finding the Upside. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited in the studio today. I am talking with Liana Munoz, who is one of my assistants, team members, and she is my right-hand person. And I brought her in today so to let you listen in on the discussion that we're having, bringing an important topic that we're talking about the Hispanic population and the impact that this population has on businesses and why business owners need to get to understand this important demographic group. Say hi, Liana. Hi. <laughs> so there's so much that, that we want to talk about, but I want to give this discussion a little context. And just Liana and I talk about this all the time to yeah. be completely transparent. Liana is of Hispanic descent. I am not, but I am married to someone who is. And so my son is of Hispanic descent. And What's important about bringing this to light, I have a lot of background in terms of demographics because I worked for a company that did that, that, um, that work where we looked at consumer behavior and we looked at how that segmented out and was different depending on race, ethnicity, uh, all kinds of socioeconomic factors, where you live, what your habits are. And there's so many things that play into that. And so why... I think it's really important if you are in business to understand this is this population has a tremendous amount of buying power. And I'm going to share some statistics in a moment, but we're going to get into why maybe some people have not kind of embraced that. And we're also going to talk about all of the things that I've discovered in terms of not coming or being of that descent and having my own exploration of unraveling my own bias, the stereotypes, the programming, and all the stuff that impacts us with regard to um, different groups of people. Fair enough? (laughs) So um, let me share some statistics first. Uh, The Hispanic population, in terms of buying power, represents $1.9 trillion in consumer market buying power. And they, right now, as of 2020, and that's the 2020 census, which just to give some context, that could be underrated because the census doesn't always do a complete job of getting to all of the people in terms of surveys. And that was also right in the middle of the pandemic, let's state. But right now represent almost 20% of the total U.S. population. Again, that's a number that I'm very familiar with because from my days working for Nielsen, uh, those projections were talked about of how this group was growing tremendously. In terms of growth, 
The Hispanic population is predicted to grow to 22% in 2030 and around 28% around 2060. So the significance of those numbers are important, but I'm going to talk about that in terms of context to why you want to get to know this group and how they are different um, and how what they're what they're getting to understand them. Now, also, business owners, Hispanic business owners, there are almost 400,000 Hispanic-owned businesses. Um, they, re- they represent roughly about 7% of the total businesses in the U.S. And, of course, those numbers are much higher in areas like we live in the New York, uh, New Jersey area, and also other states as well. It was more highly concentrated. And... They represent $472 billion are yielded in annual receipts through Hispanic-owned businesses, almost 3 million employees, um, and the numbers are just growing. So is that surprising to you? <laughs> yes. Actually, yeah. I mean, when I look at it even, even though I'm familiar with this and I've looked at that, it, it is surprising. And why that's really important to pay attention to is because the growth at which this is trending, number one, um, will continue to only uptick. And why this is really important and um, what I want to highlight is a lot of what we did when we were examining consumer behavior and we were examining how that differentiated in different groups is Hispanics definitely have a way that they like to do business. It may differ from any other racial group or ethnic group. And it's important as businesses, and by the way, most big companies have looked at that for a very long time. Um, Again, one of the things in the work that I did in corporate was the survey that we put out every year was something that more and more they wanted, the advertisers wanted to understand what the buying habits, what the preferences, what the behaviors were that were different, that were similar, all those understanding it left and right. So before we like talk about more of that, I just want from your perspective, like just, you know, knowing what you know and your own family, your grandparents, your aunts and uncles, just any like sound bites or anything that you've noticed about the way they behave or how they, whether they purchase something or whether they'll do business with someone, yeah. anything that you've noticed with that? Um, it's definitely like comfortability. Yeah. Um, and when they look for products or they look for doing business with other people, um, they just find comfort in their own culture. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. What about in your own observations? You know, your dad is a business owner, owns multiple businesses. Yes. And even though you might not be privy to all the interdealings, like what are some of his kind of modes of operation? I have my own um, feedback to give on this and people that I, that I know and even my own family um, or my, my husband's family. But what are some of his really sticking points that you notice about the way he operates or what he will look for? Again, I think it's really like comfortability Mm -hmm. with people and the people he does business with. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, a lot of his business partners are of Hispanic descent. Mm -hmm. Um, But also like who those who are not of the culture, they have to respect his culture and him Mm -hmm. as like a person because, you know, I, I hate to say this, but a lot of people look at my dad as not a business owner mm-hmm. and they look at him as something else. Mm-hmm. And that sucks because he's mm-hmm. worked so hard. Mm-hmm. He owns multiple businesses and, you know, people don't view him like that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's if he is doing business with other people, he definitely has to be respected in the same regard as them yes to feel that yeah so you you brought up you know and I, I I thought we would talk a little bit more before we get into this but this is obviously an important point you yeah. and I discuss this a lot yeah um, and I think what's important in my own experience you know stereotypes and the way that certain groups have been represented impact us 
And so what you just highlighted is that, you know, your dad's a very accomplished businessman and he might be looked at as, hmm, how, how, does, how does, what does he do for exactly. a living? Yeah. And that's very unfortunate, and obviously that makes me really sad. Um, but I'm going to get right to something that we experienced together where we realized um, even our own programming, if you will, how we've been affected yeah, by it. Of course, yeah. So Liana and I had participated in an amazing event um, that was all online, and it was in it was during the pandemic, so it was all virtual. Um, but it was put together by America Ferrara and Eva Langoria, and it was called Poteristas. It was a woman's empowerment, but Hispanic woman's empowerment yeah. event. And in in truth and full transparency, it was uh, it was born out of. Um, the Women's March. It was born out of getting the Latino vote out. Um, yeah. Those two individuals were involved and very um, uh, passionate and determined and did a lot of work in that area and did an amazing job um, with that to get full, in other words, to get full representation for the Latino vote, right? We're 20% of the population, but are we represented and I'm saying we, but are Latinos represented or Hispanics represented? And are they voting? Are they voicing yeah. um, and standing up and, and, and putting people in, in power that, that they want to? But it was more, it was really wasn't political. It was focused on Poderistas basically loosely translated means that we can, like we're a group that can, like we're doers. Yeah. Um, and so they had amazing speakers. It, it ran the gamut of, right, there was music. Yeah, it was awesome. They had comedians. Yeah. They had a lot of different uh, speakers on lots of different topics. Yep. And Robin Arzone, who is a huge uh, popular Peloton instructor and yeah. actually the VP of Peloton, spoke. And Liana and I were not in the same room, right? You were watching on your own, yep. and I was watching on my own and in our own homes. And we talked about it after, how amazing she was. And I shared with Liana how here I was watching this woman, and she shared that she was of Cuban and Puerto Rican descent. She described her own journey, how she was a lawyer, and then became very unfulfilled and was a marathon runner and kind of stepped aside from being a lawyer. And then started marathon running, and that's kind of the trajectory of how she got into being a Peloton instructor, and I'm, I'm glazing over lots of detail. Yeah. But that was essentially her path. And when she said that she was a lawyer and left that, my reaction was, wow. And then I called myself, and I said, almost like, Shame on you. Like, why are you surprised at that? And I definitely have more uh, time in the saddle with being aware of bias because I teach this. I have a training company and I teach diversity and sensitivity. I teach all that. I consider myself someone who has spent a lot of time unraveling my own bias. But what I realized in that moment was that came from all the programming and all the representation and all of the things that we see in media and in, in in our culture in pop culture in our society and when i shared that with liana what did you say to me i thought the same thing she reacted to say. yeah because i think what sucks about this too is that we especially as women and then mm -hmm. being of hispanic and then you know minority mm -hmm. it's harder for us to like accept that that that's someone's career or that could happen to us or we can do that as well so like you know when i was watching it i had the same reaction as you and i was like wow she was a lawyer really like and then i i, I had the same like hitting my hand you were surprised and right? I like, was why like, are you surprised and i'm like why should i why do i need to be surprised by this and you know i'm young i'm growing up in this world and i i hope to be a future like business owner mm -hmm. entrepreneur mm -hmm. and i'm of hispanic descent i'm a woman mm -hmm. so i think it's that was shocking for me to like you know talk about with you and like realize have that realization mm -hmm. because it's that's 
not how I should be thinking as I'm growing up. Like, it should not. And I know a lot of people, you know, you know, we're yeah. different generations. Yeah. And we still have these two yes. um, same thoughts. That's a really good point. Yeah. That actually we didn't break down. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. And that, and I think that even validated even more how. And listen, anybody who is listening who maybe doesn't buy into that all of this because you know I, this is not going to be political commentary but we can't talk about this without commenting that there's a big uh, contingent that yeah. says oh representation give me a break like what like or poo poos this or you know just dismisses it and usually the groups dismissing it are not the minority groups exactly you know i'm I'm white, let's just face it, I am. I worked really hard to make sure that I'm aware of my own bias, but the point here is that it's so ingrained in everything we see, everything that's presented to us, and that you had that same reaction, and you're a couple of generations behind me, man, that just shows the power of why representation matters. matters. Yeah, exactly. Why it matters. Um, and... I really want to bring this point out. You know, we're sitting here aware of that, right? I was aware of it. I brought it to you. We discussed it. But I also think, and this is one of the things that really saddens me, is that most people won't have that conversation. What they will do is say, wow, she was a lawyer and have the same reaction we did. But then file that into the, well, she's the exception. So, and that's not based on any fact. That's not based on anything. That's based on bias and the stereotype and the representation that yeah. people have been programmed by. Yeah. So when actresses, you know, talk about, you know, we need to stop portraying Hispanic actresses as the maid. Agreed. Agreed. You know, and the same with Hispanic men. What are they portrayed as, you know? Now, I do think things have changed. But the point of this conversation is how embedded that is in everything that is presented to us. Yeah, exactly. Do you talk about this ever with your own um, group of friends that are also of Hispanic descent or your family? Oh, yes, all the time. Um, You know, talking to my grandma and both on both sides, my dad's and my mom's mother. Um, it's it's crazy how they try to be the example for us. Mm-hmm. And then they they tell us all the time, like, you need to go further than that. You need to go further than mm-hmm. that because you don't hear that anywhere else. Right. And then, you know, my mother and my aunts and everyone, they all we all sit down and we all talk about it all the time. Like, what can we do to be better? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, women and how can we achieve better goals? Um, I think my mom was so hard on me, like growing up, because she wanted that for me, mm-hmm. and I, I, I 100% agree with her by doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're happy she did. Yeah, that. I'm happy mm-hmm. she did that because at the end of the day, like I don't think I'd be where I am if it wasn't for that, and I know I'll go further because of that, mm-hmm. and I'll achieve goals that I want to achieve that the society thinks that would be the exception mm-hmm. but that's and then as i grow up i have younger sisters right um i want to be that example for them like this is not an exception this right. should be the normal right like, this should be in the norm this should right. be routine you should see people like this everywhere and should be highlighted that that's i think i think also that's the thing it's yeah. really right and that's also you know part of why I want this brought to light for lots of reasons, but also to highlight, and we, you know, we have an effort and then another Instagram page that we do, we try to highlight all of these groups, Hispanic-owned businesses, Black-owned businesses, and not just because it's the, like, trendy thing to do, because that's how we start to see the representation, the true depth and power of the, this group. Yeah, exactly. Um... And I think also that this whole thing about the exception, like I know myself, my own experience and this whole thing that we just talked about, that knowing that, that that's how we kind of file it away. I would just say to anyone, if you've done that, challenge that, right? Like we have like, wow, no, 
why, why are we saying that? Somebody said to me one time, oh, I met this gentleman, and it was a man, but it was like he was from a group where I guess it was the same thing. It was like he was the most eloquent speaker, and I was like, why would you think he wasn't? And again, that's where it's like, oh, he's the exception. Let's file this away. Yeah. So that whole experience and that whole, um, you know, dialogue we had afterwards, like, really made me even more aware and watching for, right, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Great. When are we being programmed, right? And when are there examples that are affecting us and to how to watch out for that? Yeah. Because most people are not even aware of it. Yeah, and that's the sad part. So the other thing that I'll bring up here is that, you know, and again, part of um, my own understanding about uh, culture and how people who come from different cultures, and really it is the same no matter whether you're coming from a Hispanic, you know, country, a Latin country, or even back in the days when my grandparents came from Italy, like, you you stay with, you talked about familiarity, right? Yeah. Like, that's a common thing. And just to kind of give context to that, you know, there's these concepts of there's acculturation and there's assimilation. Acculturation, we used to talk about that all the time at um, Scarborough Nielsen, is the the rate at which someone adopts their new culture. So people come to this country from other countries, and many times they stay in areas, like your grandmother, mm-hmm. stay in areas where they're very comfortable. And and some people judge that, me included. I used to judge that, like, oh, they could live other places. But understanding that it's the comfort, yeah. the food that's there, the people who are speaking the language that are there, the way that they're used to living and the familiarity of that environment and community. And I I also think, I mean, let's face it, my husband is Dominican, so, and your dad is as well. Mm -hmm. And so most of his friends who came from DR settled in Washington Heights. And I never understood that. I really never understood that. I always be like, why? Kind of, it was kind of escaping me, this whole thing of the familiar. And I think we had the conversation the other day about your grandmother not wanting to leave where she lives. Yeah, she does not want to leave. <laughs> and is it basically the same well, idea? Yeah, of course, because, well, she's lived there since she's come right. from, since she left DR to, right. and came to America. Um, she raised her kids there. Right. Her, her and her husband live there, like, and the community, she lives in Union City, New Jersey, which mm-hmm. is heavily populated with Spanish uh, Spanish people, and she has all her friends there. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone she came with from DR is there with her, so she definitely feels comfortable. Like, mm-hmm. even we tell her, we're like, you have to walk all those stairs, so she walks in a huge, she has a huge apartment building, she has to walk all these stairs, she's like, you have to walk all these stairs, and you still want to stay here, and she's like, I'm not leaving. Yeah. She goes, I love the people here. I love the busyness. She thinks anywhere else is too calm. Right. Yeah. And it's that familiar comfort, right? Yeah. And it's that community. And you and I had this conversation also, and I wanted to really highlight this is, you know, when I was watching um, In the Heights, which, you know, hopefully everybody's aware, Lin-Manuel Miranda, I watched the movie. Obviously, I saw the play when it was uh, on Broadway, but that movie... um, you know, obviously, I have been exposed to and embraced the Dominican culture and Hispanic culture because it's part of my, you know, my husband. And I traveled to DR so many times. And and my niece always says to me, you totally embrace the culture. And I absolutely have, and for good reason. But I think that that's great anyway. Like, there's, it's not just because of my husband is that. Yeah. It's like, it's allowed me to understand the culture and understand uh, and appreciate it. And I remember saying how every type of food that was shown, I was like so familiar. And every like, I understood why they were doing the things they were doing, like just with how they were gathering for the meal and who was coming and all of this. But in that particular movie, there's that one chosen girl who goes to school out in Stanford. Yeah. And she leaves Washington Heights and she ends up 
not having such a great experience for all the reasons we're talking about here is that she was looked at as the maid. Um, she was looked at as a waitress, I believe. Yeah. She was at at some um, fancy event, and they told her to go get, you know, a different dinner. And yeah. she's like, I'm, I'm attending this event. And when her father was like, why did you leave? Like, you're the chosen one. You're too smart. You're better for this. And she basically said, there was no community for me there. And right when I was watching that movie... It's clicked for me why people stay in those areas. Yeah. And while that's great to understand it, I also that made me really sad because if we are not welcoming other in these other communities so that people can acculturate further and adopt yeah. you know the new the new um, culture of the country that they're living in, still keeping their traditions, because my Italian family keeps still keeps our traditions. Yeah. But to be able to be welcomed in and acculturate fully, and in my corporate days we talked about this, the levels of acculturation, what are they? How do we understand them? Yeah. How do we respond to them? All of that. But that made me so sad because we're all a part of that. Why isn't that happening? And you live in one of the most diverse places in the country, Philadelphia, yeah. Yeah. and talk about that. It you because it's very diverse, but it's not really blended, is it? It's definitely diverse there, but you're right. It's not. It's different. Like, I I, I come from New Jersey. I'm here in Jersey. I grew up in New Jersey, but leaving New Jersey to go to Philly was a culture shock for mm -hmm. me too. Um, you know, of course, I have my family, and that's here, and that's just a huge thing, too. But mm -hmm. going over there was a culture shock because I was like, wait a second. All I wanted was to find, like, all I wanted was to find a Hispanic friend. The first minute I got there, I was, like, craving it. I wanted it. A Dominican food. I need, like, I wanted it. Like, mm -hmm. it was so, it was definitely a shock because I get there, and I'm like, there's so many people but where's where where's my kind? Like, mm -hmm. like it's weird to say. Like it's mm -hmm. but it's well, just, that's the comfort. It's the You're com looking yeah. for that comfort. I'm just looking for the comfort. And even if like when I went over there, I was like the first thing I did was to go find a Dominican food spot. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm talking to the owners of it, like finding out where they're from in Dominican Republic, like you know, telling them I'll be around a lot, like. And then right there, I just felt comfortable. Mm -hmm. And just knowing and you know, them introducing me to other people and then mm -hmm. having more Hispanic friends on campus or in the city, like, definitely felt better. But I do think Philadelphia is a great place for diversity. Mm -hmm. um, and you just meet so many cultures in that it's not like if you come, I feel like if you go anywhere else, they're not welcoming. The one thing I love about over there is that it's so diverse that it is welcoming to your culture and to who you are and allows because you to it's be... a big melting pot. It's like New York City. It, it's yeah, a big exactly. Pot. Just mm -hmm. like New York. So you're like you go over there and you're just you just feel at ease. Yeah. Like you don't feel like oh, but again, you still seek that comfort. Like mm -hmm. you're still looking out for it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of and, and that's and that's totally normal. Yeah. That's right. But um, there's a lot of talk about how, although there's there's this diversity, it's the way it's developing is there's still very pockets of places oh, that are yeah. centralized to a particular ethnic group, uh, country, oh, what have you. And again, that's the same thing we're talking about, which is great in one way. But it's also like, when I used to do diversity training, we used to talk about this, like all the people from Haiti, they get in one group over here, all the people from you know, the Caribbean, Spanish countries get in one group over here, like that's human behavior, right? Yeah. But just allowing us to understand that that segmentation is being caused by people not feeling like there's community for them in these other places, right? Yeah. So it would be wonderful if there could be that acknowledgement of that and that that continual blend to be able to say how can we have all of this celebration of these different cultures but be able to not have this segmentation yeah. and segregation almost of I, them yeah i think just people like as a whole need to learn how to like break out of that comfort zone yeah a little true. bit because true. it's never gonna happen unless people be 
become more familiar. But you also have to understand too, they need more representation that it's Absolutely. that it's okay for them to do that. Absolutely. And that's the big point. It's yeah. not oh, it's not just on oh be more comfortable and be more open, right? Um it's welcoming and having exactly. that community and having that celebration for them to come with their culture, but yeah. also be able to blend in and in in the in the other communities yeah exactly and i mean listen uh, the other thing is is that uh, you know part of my own unraveling as i call it it took many years i mean i grew up in a place that was not very diverse um so much so that uh, it's kind of funny now. I mean, I was very lucky that I worked in New York City and I got to see and meet and uh, become friends with and interact with lots of different people from lots of different places. But I didn't understand riding the train why there were people with dark skin speaking Spanish. I had no idea that you could have dark skin and Speak Spanish. be Spanish yeah. I, I, because I had no frame of reference for that. So that always makes me think about people that don't have that exposure, right? There's so obviously there's places that don't have that, right? But on even in the in TV and the exposure yeah. to those cultures, how would you know that? And that's also relative to what we're talking about, you yeah. know. Um, and I mean, you grew up in the same town, mm -hmm. and 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 the funny part is, uh, you know, I'm much older. <laughs> But it hasn't changed all that much. It's a little yeah, different. No. It's a little more diverse. I'll be honest. I yeah. mean, I'm going to say this because it's my story. You know, when I grew up there, you were Italian, Jewish, maybe some European, you know, or Slavic. Like there was a group of Yugoslavian and, and things like that. But, like, that's it. That's it. There was one black kid in the entire school, which was a huge school. Yeah. And, like, as far as Hispanic... Like, there was one girl who her grandmother was from Puerto Rico, but nobody spoke Spanish. There was none of that. And it was a wonderful place to grow up. It was. But it absolutely did not give me a accurate, wide, broad view of what the world is really like. Yeah. So thankfully, I had that experience, and my path was that I had the opportunity and the privilege to be able to open my view. Yeah. But you growing up there, how did you feel? And did you also feel, I know that's why you wanted to live in a diverse place, yeah. but talk about that and um, how that impacted you. Well, like you said, I think our town is a great place to grow up mm -hmm. in. I will never, for, like, I don't regret, or like, you know, my, I don't regret anything of the town. I mm -hmm. think it's a perfect, I, I think it's beautiful. And mm -hmm. I, like you said, it's definitely more diverse now than mm -hmm. what it was. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm appreciative of that. But you know, there's still, there's still limitations to it. Yeah. So I think I'm so thankful for my family because I think they were the reason why I kind of stayed, you know, I was okay with it. Mm -hmm. Like I was very, I was comfortable still because, mm -hmm. you know, I would go out with friends and they weren't like me. And, you know, they would say some things that I was just like, uh, you know, that's not right. Like, mm -hmm. Or, you know, I, mm -hmm. but, you know, I couldn't, I feel like I couldn't voice it because mm -hmm. it was just the way the town was. Like mm -hmm. that's just how it was. Yeah. Um, it was like a fear. Basically. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah fear, fear of what they don't understand exactly. or know. Mm -hmm. um, as I grew up, I knew, like, I got older. I was like, I need to, you know, step out. I need to get away from it yeah. because I feel like once, if you don't, again, break out of your comfort zone, um, you get stuck yeah. and you get this fixed mindset. Yes. And it's not good. Like, mm. it's not good whatsoever. So. Like, that's why I think also when I got to school and I got, well, lived in Philadelphia, it was a culture shock for me because I saw all these different cultures. They were all so welcoming. And my school, and I love my school. It's a very welcoming community. Yes, yeah, so there was definitely like a, it was like a culture shock to me, but I loved how welcoming it was. But again, you know, I still needed the comfortability of it mm -hmm. and that's where I found my friends you know mm -hmm. I have some Hispanic friends that I kind of clinged a little on to mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I'm like okay let's do the Spanish food but yeah. then I also have my other friends and they're so like oh my god like I want to learn about you and I want to mm -hmm. learn about your culture and I want to share my culture mm -hmm. with you mm -hmm. and I think that was really you know helpful for me to experience that and makes me feel a little bit like happier knowing that I've been introduced to so many cultures that yeah. 
when I go out and I'm working full time, like I can be like, oh my God, I know about this. Mm-hmm. I know about your religion or mm-hmm. I know about your culture and I can like, you know, share that with them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I think I love about Philadelphia and getting out of there. I don't see myself coming back over here either. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember, this is one thing I'll say, like even though I live in the town I grew up in, I left for a while, but um, I got out and traveled and worked other places. Yeah. Our town may be that way, but not every town in this area no, is no, that way, no, right? No, no, So, um, you know, and again, not bashing it because it was a beautiful place. It is yeah, a beautiful place to live. It's a beautiful place to grow up. But I also, you know, I s- spoke to the graduating class of the football team, and I talked about that. You know, what could I say to them? That would be advice, you know, and I spoke about that, that this town doesn't give you a broad view. It gives you a very narrow view, and that's not what the world is like. And so as you go out in the world, seek out those other cultures, seek out those other people that are different than you, yeah. you know, that ha- that uh, all of that and get to know it. Don't yeah. be afraid of it because somebody told you to, you know, or exactly. somebody modeled that for you. Um, and... It'll be like you traveling without even traveling because you, you really, like, you can learn so much from just meeting people that are different. Yeah. And that's what you need to go out into the working world. Because you get out. I had that gift that I got out into the working world, and I met so many different types of yeah. people. Maybe didn't have all the understanding, but, I mean, I navigated it okay. But now I often think about um, the mindsets that are very closed and are trying to shut down some of the talk about this, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, villainize these kinds of conversations like this is bad. How are these people, your children, going to go out into the real world? Because the real world is not one flavor. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's going to hit them, too. Like, it would definitely... There, you know, a lot of people get jobs in the city around here. Absolutely, and the city is very diverse. And you get out there, it's like, boom! Like, oh, I have to. What's going on? Well, then, that was my experience. Yeah, and people are putting them in their place. And well, now not that, but well, yeah. now at least, like you know, people are will start putting them in their place because it's not, especially New York City. It's not. We don't. I don't think. Well, let me see. Let me Any city, this. though. Any, Any city. city. Let me rephrase this, though, because I think it's now, especially with my generation, Mm -hmm. um, we're not very closed mouth. No. You're very outspoken. Yeah. So Gen Z is very outspoken. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) So I think we will call each other out on our wrongdoings, on what we're not saying correctly, um, how we can fix it, and... Although there's kind of like a push, like if, you know, cancel culture and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But other than that, I think we're since we're so outspoken, these people who are closed-minded are like hit very hard when they step into these big cities that are very diverse because then they'll meet so they'll meet a Gen Z and they'll be like, "Oh, okay, like well, I listen, I hope that's the experience. What I hope doesn't happen is that it's, you know, looked at because generationally, and that's not our topic tonight, but generally, generationally, you have different ideologies and beliefs that can tend to shut down and almost cancel culture other generational groups. Yeah. And so the older groups, not millennials, because that's just the group right ahead of you, Um but my group, Gen X and Baby Boomers, I mean, they're trending out, but like, kind of like, oh, they got weird ideas. Like, you know, they like <laughs> tend to categorize yeah. like that. Um, but back to this, you're absolutely right. Like, call it out. Like, have these discussions. That's why we're doing this also to like put this on display and have people be enlightened and understand um, that. These are the things that shape our thoughts, and then these are the things that shape what we say and what we do. And, like, you know, again, I mentioned it. When I would do diversity training, sadly, sometimes companies do that because somebody said something that was offensive, and it was all from a place of a lack of understanding. Yeah. Right? Like, not understanding another culture and not being sensitive 
and compassionate to say, okay, this person might not think and do things the same way that I do. And it doesn't mean it's weird. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean they need to, they're in, you're in this country now. Like I, I you know, that just makes me nuts. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that that is the basis for being able to grow and have community everywhere instead of this segmented where people go into their corner. So we're all responsible for that. You yeah, know, definitely. we're all responsible yeah. for that. Buying power of this group and why I wanted to, you know, and I I'm, obviously I have my own positions on this and my own mission to, to really make uh, everybody understand this. But also if you're a business owner and you have not addressed your own bias towards these groups, you may be not able to connect with them. And then therefore, I'm gonna state it again, $1.9 trillion in consumer marketing buying power. So it's not just the right thing to do, it's necessary and business imperative. And I will say this, for 20 some odd years, companies have been trying to understand how to connect with all the groups, all the groups, you know? And I remember even my son was cast in a box for a toy and, and you know, one of the things of why they picked him was because he looked very multicultural. He looked like he could be Spanish, he looked like he could be Middle Eastern, he, could look, he looked like he could be white. And that's important. Because if it's a representation of an image that is a person that doesn't fit a particular group, that might not be responded to in the same way. Yeah. And I think that's important to understand and not say, oh, why do we need that? <laughs> because I think a lot of people who are not of these groups kind of react to it like that. But as a business owner, you're going to get really eaten alive if you do not respond to this and face your own bias. And, you know, I'm saying this as someone who's worked on this a lot, but it's sneaky because of the first story we shared with. It's being presented to us over and over again, these stereotypes. And unfortunately, social media can do good by presenting different images that can change your perspective, but it also can keep you in this echo chamber, which can just reinforce your own bias if you're consuming things like that. Talk, talk to me about that, what you think, because obviously social media is a big part of what you do mm -hmm. <laughs> here at the company, but also part of your generation, your life. What, what are your thoughts about that? Well, again, I think this can go back to like what we were just saying before, you know, people who are stuck in those mindsets and those fixed mindsets they follow certain things and social media that's the negative about it is that it'll pick up what you like or pick yeah. up what you follow and yeah. pick up what your mindset is yeah. so if you're not openly like we said having those discussions or stepping outside of your comfort zone in those different things they're going to be stuck in that mindset right. and you know what sucks about it too is I'll see it from my end and, you know, I follow the people who are, you know, representing us mm -hmm. and seeing that and I try to, for social media here and social media that I work on, I try to make it as, you know, welcoming as possible for everyone mm -hmm. so they can all feel represented. Mm -hmm. But, you know, then I will scroll across social media and then I'm seeing oh, you know, people talking bad or people saying something like a negative image or about a culture or mm -hmm. about something. Mm -hmm. Something happens and they're blaming the culture yes. for it. And that is what gets me upset because you can say like the opposite person is probably seeing the good stuff right. from us and they're like, oh, well, that's the negative. So, yeah. And again, this idea of well, the good is the exception. Exactly, yeah. We have to get that out of our, we have to get that it's narrative just, yeah. out because it's absolutely not even true. And there was also, and you know, like, again, I know that and I still had that reaction to Robert, Robin Arzon, yeah. right? But like, um, there was a great piece, it was a video, 
that was, um, and I don't know if it was part of a special or like a comedy special or a TV special, but John Leguizamo did on, you know, Hispanic Heritage Month or something. He highlighted all of the great inventions by Hispanics. Yeah. And it was like, not just in the last 20 years. It yeah. was like dating all the all way, way back. back. Like things we use today, you know. And by the way, in this episode, we're going to put in the show notes not only the sources for all the statistics that we're referencing, but we're going to find that video, link to that video, and put that there as well. Because, again, if you open your mind and you dispel the the stereotype that you've been fed or that you've adopted, and you actually look at the accomplishments in this group, and, and other groups as well, but we're spoke, focused here speaking about Hispanics. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, yeah. it's unbelievable how much accomplishment and contribution, contribution that this group has made and continue to. So, you know, that's the other thing, but you have to be open to that and be able to say, let me broaden my understanding. Yeah. So... Um, I, I, I welcome that to come. So going back to what we were talking about at the opening with, you know, just being able to connect and um, having the ability to do business with this group and their um, preferences and being able to feel that comfort and respect. Um, you know, I don't think that that is asking for anything more than all of us are looking for, right? And I think you said it well, where you said the respect of the culture, right? Yeah. The respect of the culture, the respect of the person, and without those stereotypes or labels, right? Yep. And it's the same thing that anybody would want. And I'm going to challenge everyone. If you think about a particular label or a particular group, whether it's a profession. I'm going to do this one. Sorry, I'm doing law enforcement. If you think cop, what are the things that immediately pop into your head? But that may be negative based on your experience. That may be the typical image of what you've been presented or if you've encountered, or that may be very good. And the point here is to understand the power of that, that if you don't push that aside and be able to dispel that, then you're not really able to open your view and open your mind and be able to be welcoming and embracing anyone really. But yeah. So, um, and, and, you know, aside from this discussion of Latinos is, you know, there was a while back a, it's just this, this idea of labels or just the idea of stereotypes. There was a commercial where there was a DJ that was like in full dread, like he was in his thing and, you know, he had dreads and he was like, you know, dressed very like clubbish, I guess. And they cut off his hair and they put him in a suit and they put him in a conference room and it was a social experiment, it was a, but it was a commercial where they talked about, he was like, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, um, a licensed broker and I like to do investments and, you know, would you do investments with me after he spoke? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, I'm really a DJ. And where that stereotype was he was in a suit so he could be trusted. So it's powerful. It's not even sometimes bad. It's sometimes good. And that the point here is that being able to push that aside is the only way that you can really kind of connect and understand that individual that's in front of you. Yeah, of course. And that comes to play in this topic that we're talking about. Yeah. Or that group that you're talking about. So, you know, again, uh, the whole business imperative with businesses is if you are a business owner and haven't done any of this work or thought about this, you know, think about all the companies that are thinking about this. Think about all the business owners that are aware of this and are understanding the importance of this group and embracing that and finding ways to understand how they like to be to do business or how they like to be communicated or connected 
with and how that might be different than other groups that are part of your customer base. If you're not doing that, you're going to get eaten alive because there are companies that are purposely doing that and, by the way, have been for 20 to 25 years or more. So as a business owner, that's important to be able to be removing yourself from the polarizing narratives that are out there that tell you that a particular group is this or that or bad, and then really, really challenge yourself to not allow yourself to say, oh, that person's very accomplished and they're the exception. No, they are a representation of that group and we need more images and more stories and more highlighting of that to really truly understand the power. So there are some myths about Hispanic consumers that they're not financially stable or they're not loyal to um, brands. So that's a big thing. That's a huge myth. Yeah, and that's definitely important to dispel those myths, right? Yeah. And, And not only in our own understanding, but also just in general in society. Like, actually, research indicates that Hispanic households' median income has been steadily rising. And they are actually quite loyal to brands that understand and respect their culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, these are some facts that we'll sh- we're sharing that we will put in the show notes, but understand like any other group, there's some variations, but making blanket assumptions that, you know, like those myths that say that they're not as financially stable or they're not as loyal to brands, like that's absolutely not even accurate. Yeah. And it's important to kind of just abandon that. Um, you know, for people who want to tap into this market and aren't sure how to approach it differently. You know, you talked earlier about the unique buying behaviors, right? Like even that you've witnessed in your own family. I want to just share some of these um, metrics. Hispanics do often have unique buying behaviors. They highly value family and community recommendations, word of mouth. You know, that's one thing I'll say is that I can see that in my own family. If there is not a word of mouth recommendation or somebody that has had a good experience, there's no way that that transaction yeah. is happening. Um, so that makes that plays a significant role in their decision making. Um, they also tend to be more receptive to personalized marketing and prefer content in their preferred language, which makes sense, right? Um, if you were on the other end of that, you might not be responding as well to something who, uh, you know, if you were in a country and they were not uh, playing into you being able to hear something or read something in your own language. So I think that's just normal um, to understand. Um, What do you think? I mean, you have grandparents that speak English, but not fluently, right? So what's your own experience with that? Um, Yeah, they're definitely... I think this is like a hundred percent accurate mm-hmm. because my my grandma especially um, she's very big in her community on what's good and what's not good. Yeah, the so word of mouth thing. Word is of huge. mouth is mm-hmm. huge. Um, but you're right; she doesn't really understand English. She can't read English. It's not her. It's not her language. She's she speaks Spanish. So when she's looking for things and she's looking at advertisements or she's watching TV and she sees something that she likes, it's in Spanish mm-hmm. because that's what she understands and again that's what she's comfortable with mm-hmm. and you know there's times she has to like oh this looks really nice but it's in English what does this mean you know she'll reach out to me and my dad mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or my grand or my mother um so I think it's you know it's just comfortability at the end yeah. of the day and there's there's a lot of attitudes about that me not being uh from Hispanic descent I I hear that a lot and I've heard that a lot over the years that like well, we're going to come to this country to speak the language. But I, I do want to respond to that because my grandmother came from Italy and um, my great-grandmother, I should say, uh, they came from Italy, but my, my grandmother spoke English, but my great-grandmother never learned a lick of English. Yeah. And there's a lot of cultures that, that have done that. And if you, and this is this is the thing that I always like to challenge people on, do you speak another language? <laughs> because if you understand how hard it is to learn another language that is not your native language. You know, before you go judge somebody that doesn't speak our language, English, and comes from another place, 
I want to see and hear you speak another language. You know, that's a big thing. And the other thing is, you know, of course, there's lots of comedy. And even in our own house, we kind of joke mm-hmm. around because Jose speaks English, my husband speaks English, but he has an accent. accent yeah. When people make fun of people who are speaking English with an accent or broken English, like, shame on you. They're yeah. speaking two languages. Do you speak two languages? Yeah. Like, that just kills me. So... It's the comfortability, you're right. It's the familiarity, things that are delivered in your own language. You would feel that way too if com- you can have that understanding that it's easier to be able to understand and connect with someone if it's presented to them in their own yeah. language. Exactly. So you could choose not to do that as an advertiser, but most advertisers are not making that choice because of the numbers that we've shared here. Yeah. And that's an important thing because that's only going to continue to grow. Yeah. It really requires understanding their culture and values to engage them effectively. Yeah, and that's what advertisers work a lot on and have been. And acculturation, we talked about that earlier, plays a huge role. Um, But some Hispanics are recent immigrants, and they have strong ties to their Mm -hmm. country, their home country, while others have assimilated into American culture. Yeah. So there are examples of that, right? Um, But understanding that that's a... A, a ramp like that it's not like yes or no it's like a ramp yeah. and then the nuance involving that it r- can really help businesses create those meaningful connections if they understand that how that works why there's all these levels of that and then being able to not let any bias hold them back from yeah. being able to respond to them and tap into this potential market because it's huge and it's only going to continue to gain more power yeah so as we wind down our conversation, I'm just curious, you know, again, we, Liana and I talk about this a lot. Um, obviously, we have a strong connection to it, but just business-wise as well, um, I think it's an important topic, but it's also the right thing, you yeah. know, to, to do um, and to understand all of uh, everything, the ins and outs of this culture. But all the things that we spoke about, what is your hope And what would you like to see happen in the next 10, 20 years? I think I would like to see more representation. Mm -hmm. I think in especially the field of work I'm going into, I would Mm -hmm. love to see some more people like me in the same Mm -hmm. field, like as coworkers or even my boss or Mm -hmm. um, business partners, clients. Like I would love to see more women especially. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I would just like, you know, hope that everyone can start being becoming more open-minded yeah. i know that's hard asked but well I, it, it, for some yeah it's for some yeah <laughs> um it's um but we are getting better i i think that's definitely a thing i just hope we continue that growth in that area and yeah i think that's that's my hope well my hope is similar um, and I, I, I'll, I'll add an, another element to this is that I, my hope is that all the noise that is out there that is pushing this down um, and not allowing these conversations to become what pushes us forward, yeah. that we can stay above the noise and we can continue to allow uh ourselves as a society and as a culture and as a country to really embrace all the wonderful differences that are there and all the power and strengths because obviously that sounds very idealistic but it's what not only what i hope for but what i feel like will create the peace that we are all yearning for yeah not this you know, segmentation yeah. and segregation and you're different and I, I don't understand you and all of that stuff. Like, yeah, agreed. So, well, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> all 
All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me in the thank studio you. today. I've enjoyed this. We'll probably talk about this all week now. Yes, definitely. <laughs> thank you for joining us on Finding the Upside. I hope you have enjoyed this. Please look at the show notes. We're going to leave lots of resources for you there. And if you have any questions, there's a Q&A on the ability to ask questions on the podcast posting. So go ahead and leave them there and we will respond to you. Thank you for joining us. We'll, we'll see you next time. All right, so I hope you loved this episode and found it valuable. Thanks for hanging out with me. And if you'd be so kind, if you know someone else that this will help, please share this episode with them. Just grab a link for this specific episode, text it to a friend or colleague so it can help more people like you. Thanks so much for tuning in. I will see you next time for more entrepreneurial goodness. Same time, same place on the Finding the Upside podcast.